Hello and welcome to Grace Lutheran Church Sermon Podcasts. On this podcast, you will hear the latest sermons taken from our weekly worship service. Our hope is that you will find joy and comfort in knowing the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. You know, our family has moved around a lot. Five times internationally, usually living in one home for about three years at most. A record was in Fort Wayne, 17 years, but I still don't think that we call Fort Wayne our home. It was a temporary home. In fact, all of our physical homes have been temporary homes. We can talk about homes in that way, right? Physical home, emotional home. We have a feeling of home. Still, it's a difficult question for our kids and for Becky and I when we're asked, where are you from? Where's your home? Brings up the questions about rootedness, about feeling safe. Questions about identity. For us, that involves cultural identity as well. And uh, we've grown accustomed to consider our home to be with the people that we live with. But I ask you the question, where do you live? Where do you call home? Are you safe? Are you sound? And perhaps even for you, that may not be an easy question to answer. Perhaps you don't feel at home, or you you can't find your home, your stability, your groundedness. Perhaps you have lost your home, that center. I don't necessarily mean your physical home, but your emotional home, your your home of well-being, your ground of being, as existentialists would call it, that place that makes you, you, your identity. It's a more common question nowadays, since our society has proven to be more mobile, moving all around, and it's not uncommon for families to move, however often they move, and that move oftentimes means instability, it means restlessness. To provide that sense of familial stability whenever we moved, Becky and I and the kids, we always brought one thing with us, our dining room. Table, chairs, cabinets. Not because of its material value, but because around that table we always came together as family. It felt home. No matter where we were, that was our center. That was our security. That was our stability. And we all want and we all need a place to call home. A recent study shows something that's probably fairly obvious, a stable home has an enormous positive effect on child development. We don't know a lot about the emotions of home life in Bible times, but we do know that family and land and home and hearth were an anchor in life, where being on the road as nomadic people was no less dangerous than than in our day and age. The home that engages us in our text today in Jeremiah is even greater than our traditional family home. It is the home of a whole country, a whole nation, a whole people. And in our Advent lessons this year from the Old Testament prophets, we will listen and learn about God's kingdom and God's king and what it meant to be God's people in his kingdom. 
In the days of the Old Testament prophets, the kingdom of God on earth was under the human leadership of a king, of a Davidic king. A king had his palace as well as the temple in his capital city, which became the focal point and even the identity of his rule and his reign. There was often a good deal of tension between the king's palace and God's temple, as the king sometimes forgot that his place was next door to the temple and not the other way around, and that he was under the under-shepherd of God who ruled on God's terms, not his own. So in the time of the prophet Jeremiah, the time of our text today, both the king and the temple were being threatened and even under siege by the Babylonians and their king, Nebuchadnezzar. It was a good and godly reason for this, and Jeremiah had made it clear to all. Both king and people had forsaken their God. They had followed the values of the world and the religious beliefs and practices of the world around them. They had assumed that if they did just enough in the temple things were going to be fine. If they brought their sacrifices, their offerings, going to the temple every Sabbath, then God would be pleased and uh, even appeased, and he would protect them. In the eyes of the international press, the CNN of that day, the Babylonian siege of Jerusalem looked like just another act of aggression and expansion by a dominant world power pushing its military weight around. In the eyes of the prophets and of the priests and some of God's people, was God was putting into action his righteous judgment on the sins of his people in the course of world history. To the king and most of the people, God's destructive action seemed unfair. They thought God should be saving them, not destroying them. So Jeremiah also stood against the false prophets of the day, those who prophesied peace, where there was no peace. And he stood up to the king who refused to believe either that Jerusalem would fall or that God would judge him, even the king and his leadership and the sins of all as harshly as what the prophet Jeremiah prophesied. For his stance on preaching against the king, the misinformation of the false prophets, and the popular opinion of the people, Jeremiah became the object of scorn and derision, and he was thrown into the stocks and then into prison. So as it turns out, Jeremiah was a political prisoner for preaching God's truth. So much for the life of a faithful prophet. But Jeremiah had a bigger picture than merely this small kingdom of Israel in the 5th century B.C. Though he was certain of God's judgment upon Israel, he also knew that what God was doing was part of a much larger plan, a plan not to destroy and to kill, but to ultimately restore and to make alive. Amid all his messages of judgment comes a section of his book that speaks about God's love, his everlasting love his commitment to his people. Yes, God would punish them with what we might call tough love that takes discipline seriously. Sometimes, no, all the time. The truth about sin, 
yours and mine included, is a fact that must be punished. Yes, their sin had to be punished, and yes, Jerusalem, the home of the king and the people, would be lost. And they would be refugees in exile, without a home, homeless, only memories of what they thought was a good life. But God had a future, and God had a hope for them. In fact, just as the siege of Jerusalem was underway, Jeremiah went out and bought a field. He invested in real estate as everything around him was crumbling, just to demonstrate his conviction that God was committed to this land and to bringing people back home. He saw a future for the king and for the city, and he described them both in the same way in our text today, where Jeremiah writes, in those days, those days to come, when God would fulfill his promises once and for all. And at that time, at God's right time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up from David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which Jerusalem will be called. God is our righteousness. You know, if Jeremiah were to write us a letter now, or a book, a prophetic book, I think it might go something like this. Dear friends in Christ, have you been away from home too long? Do you think that God could never be against your sin or allow difficulties to come your way or allow obstacles to be put into your path to make you see that you are wandering from him? That you had it much better when you faithfully sought him. The toughest thing to do is to acknowledge your sin, declaring that you have missed the mark and standard that God desires from you. Not merely between you and God, but between yourself and those around you in your community. It may even feel that God is against you as you imagine that God would never allow obstacles in my path or allow me to fail at something or hit rock bottom emotionally or spiritually and perhaps even physically. You know the feeling, though. We all know the feeling. We would rather believe that God is all for us and listen to today's prophets preaching, peace, peace, all is well, things will be okay, just dig deep down and push on in your lives. You can do it, just believe. But instead of crying, peace, peace, all will be okay, today's false prophets cry, just believe, just believe. For today's prophets of misinformation, they never define believe. Believe in what? The word believe by itself is meaningless, powerless, colorless nothing. It's a drab word. How drab is it? It's a drab word. How about drab? It's so drab that if believe were a color, it would be beige. That's pretty drab. Yet that vacuous vocable, just believe, void of all virtuous value, veils our deepest sin. For the biggest misinformation today 
is that it means believe in yourself above all things. That's contrary to first commandment, isn't it? To leave off the in yourself, just believe. The power of belief. Just believe puts you in power of providing your own security, your own feeling of safety, your own success. You're in control. That's the message of the Old Testament prophets. That's the message of today's prophets. It can be rough out there. Sometimes it can even be rough at home, particularly if you don't feel at home anywhere, spiritually, physically. You can feel homeless, spiritually homeless, faithless, not part of the family of believers when you feel alone, particularly when you realize that belief in yourself is not as secure as what they tell you it should be. Deep down inside, you long for something greater to believe in, to provide your safety and security that you long for. That will give you a home where we are loved, forgiven, and accepted. You want a home that neither your world nor yourself can provide. Just like the folks of Jerusalem who listened to the false prophets, imagine how they felt when they woke up in Babylon. What happened to that peace, peace? There was none. They were exiled, far away from home. Yet for them and for us, God has provided a place right here on earth, in space and in time, where he calls us home to repentance and forgiveness. His home is far greater than any capital city in any world or any promises offered that society can give. It's even greater than the most loving and safe home for any family, an extended family. At the very least, it's greater home than the corner tent you've made for yourself. The home God has made for you is a place where true peace, and remember that word peace means wholeness, completeness, lacking nothing, where his true peace and justice and righteousness abound. They're found, they're given, they're shared. It's completely dependent on God, not misinformation to believe in ourselves or in our efforts to make the world a better and safer place. To Jeremiah's people living in tents in Babylon, God promised a king and a city that only he could provide. The king in that city and that his people had messed up had to be destroyed. But God found a way to punish sin and yet to save his people. He promised a new and better king of the house and lineage of David, but not just another David. He promised a new and better way, which would be called righteous. But note where the righteousness, justice, truth, and peace are found. God is our righteousness. God is our kingdom. So later, some 600 years later, when the people of Israel returned from exile, they had no prophets, where Peter and James and John went fishing, where Rome subjugated the Jews once again, there was one person born of the house and lineage of David to be a new, a greater king than David. David's son, but also David's Lord. And he came also to be the new and great temple of the city, where God would dwell on earth and in the midst of his people, save them from their sins and bring them home. 
right now, in these days of Advent preparation, we can celebrate right now, right here, that we have a home, a city, if you will, a place to call home where God is with us with an everlasting love. We call it church, we call it your faith family, we call it the body of Christ, where both king and city come together in one person and in one place where his body and blood are here for us to forgive, renew, empower, to be the place where God dwells out in the world through us. So where do you live? Where do you call home? Where is a place of your safety and security, salvation and life? With all we will do in the weeks ahead, with overfilled schedules, both at home, running around, perhaps work, today we remember the anchor of our lives, our true home with God in Jesus, in this place where he cares for you with forgiveness and life. To know more about Jesus and our ministry at Grace Lutheran Church, please find us at www.gracealoneonline.org. You'll find additional sermon podcasts and your favorite podcast channel every week at www.gracealoneonline.org forward slash sermons.